Hey, welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. Goodness, we talked about a ton today, but we're going to present here the third segment of the show, or excuse me, the third hour of the show. Uh, a little preview again of Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis debate. I just want everyone to be prepared. And I'm spending a little extra time on this because I think Newsom, there's still a strong chance that he is the nominee for the president this election. I wouldn't spend much time on this if this was a preview of the 2028 election. We got enough going on this election. We don't need to spend time previewing anything. Uh, but I think there's a chance he runs now. So uh, it's good to know who Gavin Newsom is and why he's so good at what he does and why I think he's going to come out vict- very victorious in this uh, this debate tomorrow. I make my case here. Yesterday at 7 o'clock, we talked about the Gavin Newsom-Ron DeSantis debate that's coming up tomorrow night on uh, on Hannity. And I very much look forward to it. The favorite of the debate is Newsom by a landslide. I'm hoping DeSantis does well, clearly. But uh, I don't think people are prepared for how good Newsom is. How slick Newsom is. And we spent 30 minutes yesterday uh, preparing everyone for how, how good he is at what he does. He's, he's handsome. He's slick. Most people fall for it. Uh, one of the uh, uh, Webster's Dictionary words of the year is riz. Are you familiar with the word riz? R-I-Z-Z. Have your kids been using the word riz? It's uh, short for charisma. Newsom has charisma. People fall for it. Uh, Trump said the reason DeSantis' campaign fell flat is because he doesn't have any personality. That's what Trump said. Uh, DeSantis does not have charisma. I love Ron DeSantis. Big fan. He doesn't have charisma. He just doesn't. Uh, Remember the whole... Uh, like his campaign saying, hey, Ron, you got to smile more. And there's all these clips of Ron giving an answer and then giving this like trying to smile. It's like awkward smiling. Gavin has no problem smiling, (laughs) right? So he's so good at things like this. He's so good that it's a really, really bad idea to engage in a fight with him that you don't need to. But alas, uh, It's happening uh, tomorrow. Now, you won't fall for it. I feel like a lot of people get mad at me when I talk about how how effective Newsom is. Because you're excited. What are you talking about? I know he's an idiot. Yeah, yeah, I know you know. Your your BS meter is going to be going off like crazy tomorrow the moment he opens his mouth. But most people... We'll fall for it. Most people know that California is in bad shape right now. Everyone's seen the videos of you know, shoplifting and homeless and all this stuff. Like everyone gets that. And people assume then, most people, not you, most people assume that the governor must be horrible. The governor's like a total idiot. But then they'll see this handsome guy tomorrow who's very well-spoken, quick talker. And he, there's no one better, no one better at making the case for why things are great. And people are going to watch this guy and be like, huh, 
maybe things aren't that bad in California. Actually, I was talking to a friend of mine in California who like hates being in California. And he's like, yeah, you listen to Gavin Newsom make the case for California and he makes California seem like a place that I'd want to move to. He's like, I live in California. It's horrible here. But you listen to Gavin Newsom talk about it and you're like, that place sounds great. And here's another, here's another thing. And then I'll play some clips to prove this. Most Americans. This is one of the things that, that Newsom has going for him. Uh, one, one of Newsom's advantages here. Most people want to love California. Again, not you because you know what California is like. like Progressive, nutcase, high tax, whatever. Most people, they don't think that that's not what they think about with California. Most people, when they think California, they think Disneyland. <laughs> they think Disneyland, they think palm trees, they think uh, surfers and blonde girls in bikinis and the Beach Boys and LAX looks really cool from the sky. You know, like an aerial drone shot of LAX. That's like when every sitcom does a special episode where the family vacations in California and most people think the Hollywood sign and most people think the, the stars, the walk of the walk of stars, whatever. Have you ever been to that place? The walk of stars in Hollywood. I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. It is the worst place on the planet. It is horrible. It is the Wuhan wet market. Maybe it's the worst place. Number two, closely followed by Hollywood Boulevard. It is horrific. Never go to Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> it's horrible. But we have this vision of California. And I guess depending on your age, but when people think California, you either you think Rodeo Drive. And, and it's either Rodeo Drive from Pretty Woman or from the Mighty Ducks. But either way, it's Rodeo Drive. And if you, like, if you look at Rodeo Drive now, there was a video someone made where they were driving down Rodeo Drive. It's all empty. It's all boarded up storefronts. It's gone. There's no Rodeo Drive. There's this perception that California is uh, like, a, like a little America in America. It, it's like the ideal America where it's always sunny and it's naturally beautiful and it's the land of opportunity inside the land of opportunity. So I think regular people are rooting for California even when confronted with the, the reality of, of what it is. So Newsom, it, it's not a hard argument to say, what are you talking about? California's great. And people are like, yeah, I remember that full house special when the Tanner family went to Disneyland or whatever. Like, oh, no, you know, no, I guess full house is in California. Modern family. Modern family went to, went to Disneyland. That was fun. I like that place. Most people are rooting for California. All right, so we uh, played a clip yesterday. Got a lot of feedback on it, so I got a few more just to show you how good Newsom is at this. One of Newsom's best tactics is to bombard you with facts. When he does this, he never hesitates. He never says, um. And he always lands strong. It sounds very confident. And no one ever questions him. He does this all the time. Uh, Gavin Newsom is dyslexic. So he's got a crack memory. 
uh, that he's been training on his whole life. So he can just rattle off this stuff really fast and everyone's either overwhelmed or mesmerized, a combination of the two. So I want to play a few more of these examples. Uh, some things to think about as we're playing these clips. And then I want to play the clip of him on Adam Carolla. Uh, I was the only person who's ever gotten under his skin. First of all, think how much better Gavin Newsom is than Joe Biden. Right? Maybe Joe Biden was this good 30 years ago. That may be right, but not anymore. So I think most people are going to, a lot of like regular people or a lot of Democrats are going to watch this or the clips of it afterwards at least and say, hold on. We're, we're running the 80 year old guy when this guy's here. This is one of our options. We're not, what are we doing here? So there's going to be this big cry to have Gavin uh, be the guy. I, th- I think this Tuesday, Thursday could have ramifications for this election. Not 2028, but this coming up here in a little bit here. So how much better is Gavin Newsom than Joe Biden? Uh, also think, do you think Ron DeSantis can match up against this? All right, here's a little bit. Why Florida is taking in nearly... A, a thousand people a day, and you're losing 800 people a day. Right. They're leaving. Yep. Tell me why they're leaving your state. So um, we'll stop at three, or you want to do the whole? No, eight? no. We'll just right. answer one at a time. 18 states. 18 states had declines in population. California's was 0.3 percent. You didn't bring up any of the red states that had decline in populations. It's an interesting fact, and I don't see it on here. An interesting omitted fact. What's that? Per capita, more Floridians moved to California then California is moving to Florida. That, I don't imagine, is in one of your eight slides. Let me take another stab at this. In 2021, California had 7.8% of GDP, GDP growth in this country, one of the fastest-growing economies anywhere on planet Earth. This state continues to be the tentpole of the American economy. 25.6% of all American jobs came from this state in April. In the last two fiscal years, we enjoyed $177.7 billion in operating surpluses. We're on our way to be the fourth largest economy, eat your heart out, Germany, in the world. Number one in R&D, venture capital, more scientists, researchers, more Nobel laureates, more patents emanating out of this state than any other state in America. With all due respect, Florida doesn't even come close. Eat your heart out, Texas. California continues to be the dominant economic engine for the American I promised you. Okay, so, again, like, California sounds great. Halfway through, I think he said maybe like 12 facts or 12 statements in the thing. Everyone lost it halfway through. Like, you have no idea what he said halfway through. But it sounded good. Do you, did you do you remember right now the uh, the amount of operating surpluses that California has <laughs> with that line? That's a good example. Operating surpluses. More I don't even know where this is. Here it is. The fourth largest economy. Eat your heart out, Germany, in the world. Number one in R and D, venture capital, more scientists, researchers, more Nobel laureates. Oh, back here. One more time. All right. American jobs came from this state in April. In the last two fiscal years, we enjoyed $177.7 billion in operating surpluses. We're on our way to... Okay, so like, that's what I mean. It's, he just like says these numbers and says these things. Boom, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And you're, you're not even taking it in anymore. You can't. Your brain can't operate that fast. You can't take it in that fast. You can't interpret it that fast. And he just goes, 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 boom, 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 boom. And then uh, lands hard and strong and confident, and uh, he wins every time. He's going to do that for 90 minutes on uh, tomorrow. And they got nothing. Hannity and DeSantis can't come back to that. So uh, Hannity and, and Newsom, they go, uh, they start talking about the whole income tax in California. 
and this is going to come up on Thursday. Well, California's 13.3% income tax, Florida's zero. So Newsom has this great riff about how that's only the super rich, it's only the 1%, it's not the middle class. Uh, and here's just part of that riff here. Respect your audience too much to let them be misled on this. Oh, real quick. He does this thing a lot. He does this like I'm the fighter for the taxpayer thing. Uh, uh, we got a guest coming up in a little bit. Uh, I'll go quick. Uh, he's He just unveiled yesterday this big uh, $300 million for homelessness. It's a whole long story. We can spend an hour on it. But uh, part of his thing is, oh, all these cities have tried to come up with these proposals and spend taxpayer money. And and I just looked at it and I said, that is, that is disrespectful to the taxpayer. I have too much respect for the taxpayer who's, who's to, to, to support these programs that is just a waste of hard-earned taxpayer money. He's all about the taxpayer, Gavin Newsom. The this audience this doesn't live in that rare fund. No. This is a lie? You're manipulating some fundamental facts. You're omitting the fact that the vast majority of people do not live in the 1%. You're talking about the 1% tax. 1% pays half of it. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm talking about the American people don't live there. And the reality is when they live in Texas versus California, middle class pay more than they do in the state of California. Texas is higher tax than Florida, that's for sure. Yeah, but your beef seems to be with Ron DeSantis. No, no well, man, let's, we could talk about the Abbott kid, the for kidnapper. A we'll get well, into that in a little but, bit. But you know, here's my point. Yeah. We've had a progressive tax, but I didn't establish the 13.3% that was done before I even got here. I have opposed new in, increases in the top one percent tax. I oppose the statewide wealth tax. I've never been a profligate Democrat. I balance budgets. We make the hard choices. I'm well, a you, business guy. You, starting you have a deficit of thirty-two million dollars, billion dollars this year. This state, we dominate in venture capital, innovation. We have the finest system of public higher education anywhere on planet Earth. We convey more talent than any place on the planet. This state, I mean, R and D. What, what did what did Tesla just do? They moved back into the state of California. Disney's moving their jobs back from Florida in the state of California. You didn't acknowledge per capita more Floridians coming back to California than Californians going to Florida. This was anomalous. 18 states saw a decline. I love this state. Don't count us out. I've been hearing this bashing all my life. I am. Uh, maybe one more just to get this, right? And we'll have plenty tomorrow. I'm a small business person. I've started th- 21 companies, 1,000 employees. You're a great businessman. No, but it's like it, this is in my your DNA. I'm passionate about that. Right. He's a fighter for the taxpayer and a small businessman, <laughs> Gavin Newsom. So California never held me back. It gave me every opportunity in the world. Right. All these folks, Elon Musk, Tesla, exist because of California's regulatory framework. Why are they moving the headquarters out of here? You know why? They moved their R&D headquarters money. back. To save money. They moved their R&D world headquarters back just three weeks ago. Why did they do that? The list is Wasn't a mile to save long. Money you can pick out one company. there's no state doing more in R&D than California. Is, That's these, the answer. These companies are leaving for one these reason. These companies are starting they're, for another reason. They're moving to increase their profits Be, and save because, money because you tax too much. Because we created the conditions where they flourished and then they get to a point of maturity and they get a point of becoming multinational companies. And they leave why? And they move the headquarters why? Because some find greener pastures or are looking for defensive postures as it relates to economic I mean, risk. They try, but there's thousands. We have 47% increase in business startups this year compared to last year. Would you not acknowledge one of the, but acknowledge what are the, the seeds that are planted every single year? Not le- our, it's, a, it's almost a point of success. We birth these folks. They move out of the house and thousands more okay, are birthed so every single year. So they build their companies here 
And now all of a sudden they're paying that high tax bill. They were always so they moved their headquarters money. away. No, jeez. I mean, with, by the way, do you support you, the idea? This of, is the honest way to be the fourth largest economy in the world. What are you arguing for? Mississippi's economic policy? Is that, I mean, literally, that's if what you're, you're asking, asking me. For. If I wanted, great if I wanted the Kansas policy, I mean, it was a debacle. No economic growth. 71% of the GDP in America are blue counties. I would say 71% of the GDP in America are blue counties. Progressive policies. Okay, that are paying high taxes. And 71% of the country's wealth. Seven of the top 10 dependent states are your states. Let's say you. No, we're subsidizing your states, Sean. All right, right, listen. You think think DeSantis is going to be able to stand up against that? This is one of the reasons why Trump won't say anything bad about Newsom, because Trump knows that how good Newsom is. And Newsom knows how good Trump is, by the way. And Newsom knows that he can take on DeSantis tomorrow. Now, the steamrolling machine gun technique that Newsom uses all the time, you're going to see a ton of it tomorrow. There's only one way to beat it. There's one. And... Adam Carolla did it. Someone called in yesterday and mentioned this interview. So I was like, oh, I got, I got to play part of it. Ten years ago, Gavin Newsom, fresh off being mayor of San Francisco, he was then the lieutenant governor, which is like a nothing job in California. It's just part of climbing the ladder to become governor. It's an hour-long interview. It's all gold. And Newsom couldn't run away from it, right? So you got to listen to the whole thing. It's great. But Newsom tried to do his steamrolling machine gun rampage thing that he does. But Adam Carolla is one of the few people on this planet who is as quick enough, uh, as quick as Newsom to come back fast as well and was able to interject immediately time and time again. So Newsom couldn't get the steamrolling. He couldn't get the momentum. And it was easily revealed that the emperor had no clothes. So it's, a, it's just an hour of gold. Uh, let me play two clips here. They're talking about homelessness. Newsom says he cares deeply about homelessness. And uh, Adam Kohler talks about how, uh, you know, listen, you, you got to sock money away. You got to save money. You got to have a network of friends and families in case, friends and family in case you fall in hard times. A whole number of things that people can do before they go live on the streets. And here is Gavin Newsom's response as to why certain people can't save money. Yes, they foreclosed on your home. That's why you need to have a network, a community, right. friends, family members, money put away. I got it, but think about Don't it, Adam, have the half, kids. Half of African Americans in the state of California, roughly half of Latino families, have no access to a checking account or an ATM. Things we take for granted. They don't have a check. What's account. wrong with them? And what? But what? Well, okay, we gotta stop there. Hannity or DeSantis or anyone else would have let Newsom keep going on that ridiculous. But Adam Carolla, boom, right away. What's wrong with him? And you can see Newsom, he's like still a little bit in the steamroll and he has to come back to it and then the whole thing crumbles. Checking count or an ATM, things we take for granted. They don't have a check. What's wrong with them? And what, but what, well, because they don't, they don't have the resources to sock those things away. Why do we have them? Uh, a lot of different reasons, but, but roughly half those families don't. Where do they why do Armenians up? have them? But where they end up is why? in check-cashing places. But I want to know why those lenders. groups, why advantage. those two groups don't have access. Well, a lot of, it just happens to be that. We can so talk they're about flawed? This. No, they're hardly flawed, but they're struggling. Genetically are making flawed. their word. Hardly. Not ab- absolutely But Okay, not. so but absolutely do Asians not. have this problem? I mean, it, a lot of communities have A lot of whites have these problems. Oh, but so I just, that's not just black and Hispanic. No, but it. But, but I'm why did you bring you, up black and Hispanic? Because the magnitude is ominous. But why so many of them? It just happens to be the just, magnitude. That's the way God planned it? Not at all. Well, it what just, happened to them? There are a lot of issues and with, it, that the communities are struggling. A lot why of new are they immigrants, struggling? A lot of, 
lot of different reasons. Lack Hispanics of opportunity. Have Blacks have been here longer than we've been here. Well, we Okay, I'm going to keep going here, but do you see how Corolla won't let him keep going? He won't let him steamroll. We can we can surmise. What about the, Asians? They were put in internment camps. Yeah, we in fact it all initiated at San Francisco, and right. the Chinese Exclusion Act came so out. So they are they the Czechs? Are they the Czechs? A lot of a lot of Asians certainly do. Oh, so why don't you why don't you conclude because them? The only reason why is the magnitude. Of there's the so problem, many more. The magnitude and percentage. But there's no way to figure out how that happened. Africa. We could talk about. It. You know what I'm dealing with. I don't want to have a sociological debate. Uh, sure, I want why to deal would with you? Have, no. no, here's why. Why would you want to do that? Because the person from the Times wouldn't write good things about oh, you if God. you did that. No, no, that's not the case because I want to deal want with to get reality. Into that. No, no, uh, no, you want to deal with reality. I want to I deal with the reality, reality of people is. that are struggling, people are suffering. I want to deal with the problems in why a pragmatic way. Why are they struggling way. and I don't suffering? Want an idea. We can hold hands and surmise about all these underlying why are they, reasons. I don't want to do that. I want to know why they're struggling. Why are they struggling? A lot of folks are struggling because they can't find jobs because they're working. Why blacks and Hispanics? Across the board, also. Show you can, okay, I mean, so everybody, everybody's struggling. So uh, Asians are suffering uh, just as much as blacks. Um, the, the face of welfare is not an African American family. Oh, so, 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 it's it's Asian, a, Jewish, it's all of them. Uh, Caucasian. It's okay, a lot so of folks we're all struggling. Society. A lot of folks are struggling. Okay, but a lot of folks. Are so if I go down to the check cashing place, lots of Jews and Asians. There are. Okay. Right. Lot, I mean, just just uh, checking you. Just lot, checking the math. Absolute fact. I'm but just wondering why you, why you singled those two because out. Because the percentages, and I think these things matter, are profound. So why? That's my question. Well, I think there are a lot of reasons why. And <laughs> yeah. you, want, you want to go back to issues of racism? <laughs> I'll do that. You want to go back to the debate we're having about the Voting Rights Act? Yeah. And the fact the Supreme Court uh -huh. wants to take away Section what 5? What about their families? You want to talk, no, but you, you want, want to talk, talk about, about their families? You, but I understand that. Families are incredibly important. That's certainly part of it. Yeah, and it's people a, have it's to a be very small part of it. It's minuscule. It's a big part oh, of it. Oh, big. It is a big oh, part. Oh, well, why don't you guys talk about that then if it's a big part? I just brought it up. It's a big part. It's a big part. It's a big part that you never talk about? I do talk. About. No one on your side talks about that big part. I think President Obama himself brings it up over and over yeah. again. Go back to his campaign speeches. Sure. He's given some remarkable speeches of sure. importance of fathers in the context of the African American. Yeah, you got to be a hero. Struggle. You got to be a hero to raise your kid. No, well, you certainly you have to it be takes responsible. It adults. takes courage to raise a kid. A I heard his speech. After, it takes courage, Gavin. I don't know about courage. You, it's what, that's it what your president inherent. said. No, but he, to his oh, credit, let's hear, let's hear what he says. Let's hear what he says. It says, it says it takes courage. And we'll work to strengthen families by removing the financial deterrence to marriage for low-income couples. And do more to encourage fatherhood. Because what makes you a man isn't the ability to conceive a child. That's right. Having the courage to raise one. Courage. Yeah, right. I don't know if the right. The, yeah, I get yeah, your courage. point. Courage. But at least he made the point that I imagine made you the point accept that, that it's, it's easy it's to like, have one. Yes. Uh, but you've got to actually step up and be a man and actually raise one. And right. he probably used, I think that's Listen, what yeah, ultimately I know what you're saying. No. It, anybody can eat at an IHOP. It takes courage to pay the bill. I don't. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, it's so good. Can I? I got one more of these. We've got to take a break because we have a congressman from California coming. In. But I want to play. Let's talk to the congressman. They'll come back. We'll play another. But are you with me on this? You ha you have to be quick. You have to be on it. You have to not let n nonsense go. If you let Gavin Newsom say a ridiculous sentence and you let it go, there's no going back. You can't. You have to stick on something. Like he said, oh well, blacks and Asian or black and Hispanics uh, in the check cashing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, like call him out on it.
and they will, they won't tomorrow. I don't know what the debate format looks like tomorrow, right? They're like behind podiums and whatever. I don't know. But uh, a lot of people are going to watch tomorrow and, uh, a lot of people are going to realize that Gavin Newsom is very, very good at what he does. Welcome back to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. So we talked with Congressman Jay Obernolte from California. I did not plan on asking him this. It just kind of came in my brain because we were talking about the border and I, I asked him if he impeached my work is assuming the answer was yes, because I never saw his name on the list of the eight who did it. But what I didn't realize is there's 12 Republicans who didn't even vote. <laughs> oh, geez. So we got into that whole thing again. Here's a Republican from California. Congressman, how are you, sir? Good morning, Mike. Happy Wednesday. And to you. Great to talk to you. Uh, so I've lived in, uh, lived in San Diego for 12 years, just moved out uh, recently. And my, uh, we just spent the last segment. I want to get your take on uh, my effort to prepare people for how slick Gavin Newsom is at what he does uh, with the debate tomorrow with, with uh, uh, DeSantis. And, and Newsom's very, very, I don't know what better, maybe you got a better word. I keep going with slick. I'm trying to think of a better, because it's not, he's not good, because I don't want people to think that, like, he's good. <laughs> but he's good at what he does, that's for sure. What's your take on Newsom? Yeah, I know him well. I, I worked with him when I was in the state legislature. And uh, what I'm going to be very interested in, in watching the debate tomorrow, is to see how the heck he evades what the governor, Governor uh, Newsom, uh, what is, is definitely going to be brought up, uh, you know, where California has the highest sales tax in the country, the highest income tax in the country, the highest gas tax in the country, and yet somehow manages to have the worst poverty in the country, the worst homelessness in the country, second to worst word, roads in the country, schools in the bottom 10 percent, you know, this, this incredible dichotomy. Uh, he's going to have to be pretty slick to evade the charge of how the heck did you allow that to happen and why would this be a good thing for the rest of the United States? Yeah, there's, there's no better cheerleader, though, than Gavin Newsom for the state of California. Uh, I, was talking yeah. to, I was talking to a friend of mine who still lives there and uh, played a clip for him of Gavin Newsom on Hannity the other day and just rattling off all the wonderful things about California. And my buddy said, wow, he makes California seem like a place I want to move to. <laughs> right? It's like, like wow, that that the Gavin Newsom's California, the one he articulates, is a wonderful place. Not like the one you just said. Well, you know what? I I love California too. I mean, this is the place that I want to live. That's why I live there. But uh, I think California could be so much better under uh, conservative philosophy and and greater freedom and liberty than what it is. That's the problem. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> Tomorrow's the day. Uh, well, let me just ask you this before we get to the, the main topic here. What is what is one thing you think people should know about uh, Gavin Newsom? Because if he doesn't, if he's not the guy this election, he's definitely running 2028. There's no question. Sure. Ambitious. That's the word I'd use. And uh, the, the Democrats are going to have to do something. They look at you look at how deeply unpopular, uh, you know, the, the president is. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, they're in real trouble going into next year if they don't make a change. So, yeah, <laughs> watch this channel. Right. Yeah, ambition. That's actually the one word that Donald Trump used to define Newsom as well. 
as ambitious. Yeah, I mean, and if you want some uh, proof of that, think about what just happened in San Francisco, where they've got this incredible homelessness problem, uh, residents moving out in droves because of the, the rampant crime uh, and the rampant drug use on the streets. And rather than fix the problem, they just moved everyone out for the, the summit. Uh, this yeah. last week, you know that that tells you all, all you need to know about uh, the governor and his ambitions. Yeah, and then allow everyone back in. But so so that's clearly Newsom's going to. Sorry, DeSantis is going to bring this up tomorrow. But Newsom's brilliant at triangulating. So he'll be he'll say, "Oh, it's you're right. It's terrible what's going on in San Francisco. It's unacceptable. It's it's, it's I, we cannot allow this to go on anymore, Congressman. And uh, that's why my administration." And he just goes on. He he's like amazing at rising above and not taking any accountability for anything in his state it's like he's not governor he's like like higher than he's like this like moral authority above california and and can criticize it when it's not going well and never take any responsibility ever it's brilliant all right congressman i appreciate you you, you're riffing on that for a bit uh let's talk about this uh ice detention facility that's in southern california tell me about this place well, I mean, everyone is aware of the crisis that's been occurring at the southern border. We've had the uh, most immigrant encounters in history in September, just slightly below that in October. Uh, we've got states of emergency declared in cities across the country like San Diego, Chicago, New York, uh, just to name a few, because of all these migrants that have been released into the community. And ICE is saying the reason why they're releasing these immigrants is they don't have the bed space to, to house them, right? That's what, that's what they've been telling everyone. In fact, uh, the administration just came to us in Congress in October and asked for supplemental funding to pay for an extra 12,000 beds. So that's the backdrop. I've got uh, a processing facility in my district with almost 2,000 beds in it, and ICE is paying for all of them. It's fully staffed. They're using right now eight, eight of them. And uh, that's the crisis that eight I wanted what? to talk about. But eight what? It's, it's re- Pardon me? The eight what? Eight beds? Eight beds, eight out of the uh, almost 2,000 beds in the facility is what, <laughs> what I see. And uh, they're paying great. for all of them, Mike. They're paying for all of them with taxpayer money. And yet they have the temerity to tell us that they need funding for another 12,000 beds. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Wow. What would you – so who should be in these beds? Well, the, the very people that they're releasing into places like San Diego, <laughs> you know, they can't say that, that they don't have the, the bed space to house these inmates when this facility sits empty. Uh, there's a uh, a COVID area injunction that a court, a district court judge issued uh, prohibiting intake at that facility, like they did in a lot of ICE facilities across the country. It was a big area of debate. Uh, but uh, it's been lifted everywhere except Atalanto, and the DOJ refuses to go to court and to force this thing to, from, to, be, the, uh, to be lifted, even though the president himself declared the COVID emergency over earlier this year. I mean, it's just wow. it, it makes absolutely no sense what they're doing. Yeah, that's amazing. Gosh, that's amazing. The San Diego airport, they're uh, dropping hundreds of, of people off, of these illegal immigrants off at the airport. They're just they're sleeping at the airport now. <laughs> right with nowhere well, to go you, you have to feel for these cities uh you know who uh, what city could have the infrastructure and the funding to pay for such an influx in illegal immigrants uh, and yet if you don't try and do something you're going to have these people wandering the streets being homeless spreading uh, illness uh you know that it's the humanitarian thing to do is to try and take care of the problem but they should never be there in the first place that's the issue okay why having spent your years in D.C. now, why do you think 
this issue has not been solved. Why? Why do, do, does the left and in many cases the right uh, want open borders? Well, I think that the uh, no one wants completely open borders, but the reasons are different. On the left, obviously, you've got this disagreement, you know, internally within the left, where there's some of them that would like completely wide open borders that don't believe that there should be restrictions on illegal immigration at all. And then you have other folks on the left that believe in some restrictions, but they believe in absolutely uh, unencumbered asylum, right? If, if you are seeking asylum at the border, that, that the, you know, the kind thing, the humanitarian thing to do would be to let them into the country and provide for them at taxpayer expense. And of course, uh, those of us on the right completely disagree with that. We, we want to be kind, but you know, we want to limit asylum because uh, taxpayers have to pay for that. And so, you know, every country has to uh, enforce their own border security and uh, set limits on the number of, of people that are seeking asylum. So, uh, you know, that, that that's why we in Congress passed H.R. 2 earlier this year, which, you know, would have been, if, if the Senate would ever take it up and pass it, uh, the strongest in, uh, uh, enforcement mechanism for southern border immigration policy that, that uh, really we've ever done. So, you know, that that's pretty much the, the ideas that are in tension there. Did you vote to impeach the head of the Homeland Security, Mayorkas? Uh, no. Uh, the The thing about that impeachment vote, you know, is uh, is we, we've got a process we're working through in Congress, and we're hoping to uh, to hold him accountable for uh, the things he's done. And in, in, uh, you know, the the uh, I, you know, the the real problem is uh, you look at his complete failure to enforce federal immigration law. You know, and so. Uh, uh, it, it definitely uh, has to he has to be held to account for that. Why not impeach him? Well, I mean, do you think Congress has the power to impeach federal uh, officials under the the executive branch? Sure. I mean, high crimes and misdemeanors is the is the uh, you know is the federal standard. So uh, the constitutional standard, it's it's uh, you know it's it's it'll be interesting. We've got ongoing investigations. We've got. Uh, the, the head of the oversight committee doing a great job. Uh, the, Jim Jordan, the head of the judiciary committee, doing a great job. I think actually, if we come down with uh, with you know the, the proof that criminal uh, the criminal statutes have been violated, I think that they, they should be impeached. How could how could you hold him accountable if not impeachment? Oh no, I think impeachment is is uh, you know is one of the tools that we have. Think about this though. Uh, I fear that a lot of the people in the administration, we have a problem, problem with a lot of them. Uh, they're just following orders from above, you know, and not to say that that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, I think the problem is that, that the general leftist socialist philosophy that we've allowed to invade the federal bureaucracy, uh, you know, something has really got to be done about that. OK, I'm just, I'm just a little confused. I just want to make sure I get this right. So but you, you, you kind of seem to question me as if as if you you couldn't impeach someone in the executive branch. But now you're saying mm -hmm. that you could, you just have to wait until they commit a, a, I don't know, a worse crime or in your words, I guess, a crime. Yeah, well, it's, this is an illustration of some of the uh, disagreement that's occurred in the Republican conference in the House. Uh, you know, we we have a process and we're following it. We're conducting investigations and, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves on impeachment. But I mean, if, uh, I think impeachment is completely warranted if we can prove a violation of federal law. That's the constitutional standard. And so uh, when we finish those investigations, if that's what's occurred, then uh, then I think it's absolutely appropriate that, that we impeach. Uh, okay. But, you know, the problem is quite often 
these officials are just doing what they've been told, right? And uh, if they violate right. federal law in doing that, they should be impeached. But yeah, I suppose uh, a blatant but, violation know, of oath of office got to be somewhere close, right? Sure. My, I guess my last well, question is: Are you like so? Our audience right now is like screaming at the radio, <laughs> at at frustrated congressman. I'm sure you can you can understand this. I'm sure the people of Big Bear are as well, uh, in the belly of the beast in California. And you say, well, you know what? There were uh, in due time, <laughs> whatever. Okay, well, we got an election here in a little bit, so your two years is up. Like every, every I mean, every two years we got a, it's a, there's a whole new thing here. So, how much longer? How much longer are we well, going to investigate and and committee and and blah 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 forever? Like, what's we're out of time? Sure. No, no. You know what? And I share that frustration. You, I mean, you think if, you, if you're sitting there at the radio frustrated, think about how frustrating it is for us to have to go to D.C. to leave our our uh, homes and families travel across the country and, and have to sit through this stuff and watch people like the secretary justify their actions. I mean, we are we are absolutely frustrated we have had it. Uh, here, here's the problem. I mean, we serve in divided government. The Senate is not in our control. The presidency is not in our control right now. To impeach, we have to win a 60-vote threshold in the Senate. You know, with... with no, you know, that's, uh, to, that's I, to remove I, from office. To impeach, you just have to vote to impeach. Yeah, but what good does that do? Good. You know, so we're trying to lay the framework for something the Senate could actually support. Nancy Pelosi didn't care. Do you think Nancy Pelosi cared that the Senate wasn't going to convict Trump? Yeah, what good did it do? It actually made him stronger, not weaker. That's that. We don't want to do that. Right. We want to actually accomplish something. I mean, what good does it do if we impeach and, and Mayorkas is still in office? Right. So we're trying to lay a case where the Senate might actually uh, take it up and vote to impeach him. And, other, you know, if we can't do that, we haven't accomplished anything. So that's the end goal. Okay. Well, like we talked to McClintock a couple weeks ago when this on, and he never made that argument. Uh, but that's an argument. Like if you say, oh, we impeach and nothing happens, then it'll only make him stronger. I've never heard that argument. But is that is that one of the arguments? Well, it's one of them. But, I mean, the, the, the big argument is uh, if you, we want to impeach, you know, if, if, we're, uh, if we're shooting at the king, we want to hit him. <laughs> so... Uh, what's the what's the good of impeaching if you're not going to do that? If the Senate's not going to take it up, or if you're going to have a trial in the Senate, and the Senate, you know, doesn't you don't get the votes to impeach him. So if you've laid the groundwork and made the case well enough, then the Senate uh, then the Senate will vote to impeach him. And I'll, I'll tell you this: this is the an illustration of why it's so important that we take back the Senate next year, because if we had the votes in the Senate, then the standard would be lower, and he would already be impeached. Yeah, well, there's no, no no question about that. Uh, that that we gotta we gotta win. Uh, just people are frustrated at. Well, you know, here's the deal. Maybe Republicans never will win if they don't see some effort in the forefront. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of people who are like, "What's the point of electing Republicans anyway? It's just one big uniparty that doesn't do anything in the first place." That that's a concern, right? Sure. No, no. And I, I believe me, I understand the politics. Uh, I lived through it, through the 117th Congress, when Nancy Pelosi seemed like every day when we went to the floor, there was another what we call a messaging bill, a bill that had no chance of passing a Republican-controlled Senate, and yet we were voting on all of this awful stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I do get it. But I wish that people would judge on what gets done, not what gets talked about. It does us no good to pass. Uh, a, a completely partisan Republican bill through the House if we can't get it through the Senate and we can't get it signed by the president. Uh, and, you know, if people don't like it, and I don't like it, believe me, I've got to live with it every year, every day. Uh, if people don't like it, then, you know, goodness gracious, let's take back the Senate. Let's take back the presidency. That's what we need to do to be able to implement some of our priorities. 
Congressman Jay Obernolte, Obernolte, um, a Big Bear. What's like the center of your district? I, I always go to. Anyway, I've been to Big Bear a million times, so I think Big Bear. But what, what else well, do you describe your district? Desert is, yeah, the high desert is most of my district: Hesperia, Apple Valley, uh, Victorville, Adelanto, uh, and then I've got all the mountains around that, including uh, Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead, Crestline, and then uh, my district goes all the way down to Redlands. Yeah, one of the one of the few red areas left. So let's keep it. Yeah, so. Absolutely, yep. Congressman. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. Uh, 1-866-95-PATRIOT. 1-866-95-PATRIOT. I did not know he didn't vote for impeachment. <laughs> I, didn't. I assumed he did. I don't know why I assumed he did. I don't remember his name on the list of the 12 Republicans who didn't. So there you go. I, I could feel <laughs> I could feel the the like head by like it was it was Congressman. Did you vote for impeaching uh, Mayorkas? No, I did not. I could hear everyone go. Oh, Hey, what? <laughs> oh, man. I'm American made. I got American parts. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. I got an email from someone saying, hey, how do we listen to the whole show? Not just the, the two segments. Uh, you got to be a SiriusXM subscriber. I listen to it on the app, or I listen to stuff on the app. But I'm sure you can listen online. You can just search for Breitbart News Daily. But you got to be a subscriber to listen to the entire uh, three hours of the show. Uh, tomorrow, Sebastian uh, Gorka, tomorrow's show, not just Sebastian Gorka, will be here at 8 o'clock. Uh, also, we said we were going to talk about the American dream. Tomorrow may be a good day to do that. It came up today, and I had to table it. And I don't want to table it for too long because it's very important. So let's do that tomorrow as well. Dr. Sebastian Gorka will talk about this American dream. What is it? What is it, and does it still exist? A record number of Americans think it doesn't exist, but I don't even think we're good at defining what it even is. So we'll do that tomorrow, probably at 7 o'clock. Mike Sider, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word.